got your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to hear the Word of God today. You know, God's Word is always speaking, right? It's always relevant. It's always sharp. It's always on point. It's always on target. And isn't it true that you can read the same thing again and again and again, and God can drop something brand new and, brand, and fresh into your life for that moment. He can speak to you through his word. It is living and active. So if you've got your Bible, hold it up. Hold your phone up if it's on your phone. And we're going to pray all together. Say, thank you, Lord, for your word. My ears are open to hear. And my heart is open to receive. Would you speak to me today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, we're going to read the story of David and Goliath. Who knows this story? We're familiar with this story, right? Let me find it here. There's some amazing pictures in this kid's Bible. I love this one. Can I hold this up? Can we get this on the screen over here? Oh, there's a Batman uh, bookmark gone flying. Look at that one there. Oh, this one, this side, this side. Can we see that? Look at that. That's, uh, that's David in Saul's armor. We'll get to that in a minute. I love the pictures in this thing. But let me summarize this and bring us up to speed. We're going to go from verse 32, but let me bring you up to speed first. Uh, there's a battle going on, and the, the opposition, the Philistines, bring out their champion warrior, Goliath. He's this giant guy, and he's, he's coming. He's standing in front of the army of God, in front of the people of Israel, and he's threatening them. He's, he's He's talking down to them. Obviously, he's, he's the, the, the biggest guy, and he's talking down to them. He's threatening them. He's getting in their face every single day. And David's, David's the youngest of all his siblings, and his older brothers are there with the army, and he's been sent down by his, by his father, Jesse, to come and bring stuff, bring supplies and food to his brothers, and also take word back to his father, Jesse, about how his brothers are doing, how the army is and all this stuff, and he comes there, and he sees Goliath, this little shepherd boy sees Goliath, and he sees the army is frozen in fear in the face of this opposition, and he looks around, and he's like, why is nobody stepping up? What's going on? What's going on? And he does something so outrageous, and we're going to get into this today. He, he actually goes to the king. He goes to Saul, and this is where we're going to pick it up. And he basically says, I'm going to sort out the problem. I'm going to sort out the problem. I mean, audacious, right? So 1 Samuel 17, we're going to read from verse 32. This is when David is in front of King Saul. It says, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. That's because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight the Philistines. He's saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and fight this opposition. And so Saul said to David, the king said to him, you are not able to go and fight against the Philistine, for you are a youth, and this man is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, he gets straight back and, uh, and makes his case to the king. He said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took, took a lamb out of the flock, I went out and I went after it, and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, when the, when the opposition, when the lion or the bear rose up against me, I caught it by its beard. I mean, don't, I mean, Old Testament gets hairy sometimes. It gets kind of grisly. I caught the thing by its beard, and I struck it, and I killed it. 
I mean, I've seen The Revenant. I don't know, Leo DiCaprio didn't do too well against that bear. So I think there's something on the inside of this man, David. I love this. And he's only young. He struck it and he killed it. And your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. And moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Don't you love David's attitude? Don't you love the grit on the inside? There's nothing in this kid that thinks there's anything in doubt about the outcome of this war, the outcome of this battle. I love that. And so Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, I don't know, we can read that two ways, right? We can read that, read that as go and the Lord will be with you and he's giving him his back in. And, or you could read it as go and the Lord be with you. You're only small. <laughs> I don't know which one it was. But as he's, I think at that moment, David's probably like rushing out. He wants to get going, right? But it, but it says, Saul, Saul clothed David. So he brings him in and he clothes David in his armor and he puts on a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened the king's sword to his armor and he tried to walk because he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He took them off. And this is where we're going to land today, verse 40. It says, he took his staff in his hand. David took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. He put the armor away, he went to the brook, and he picked up five stones, and he drew near to Goliath. He drew near to the opposition. You see, David had a different perspective. He saw that the army was frozen. He saw that they could see no way out. They were threatened and stuck but he'd been formed in the wilderness fighting bears and lions and defending his father's sheep. He saw it from a completely different perspective. He saw God's way out of the battle. And I love that about him. You know, I'm, I'm thinking everyone's going, David, you're a lunatic. What are you doing going down to the river and picking up five smooth stones? What good is that? But it's where he goes, and we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit today. Today's title, if you're making notes, and I'd encourage you to, is called The Rock in the River. That's what we're talking about today. You know, let's be real. Everybody has a battle on. I don't know what yours is today. There's some pretty big battles going on in our world right now. And I'm not wanting to put those, belittle those, but every one of us has things that we face. It might be your bill's going up. How am I going to pay that? How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my energy bill? We got our energy bill the other day. It's gone up 800 something, 90 pounds for a year. And it's like, what? Some of these things, I mean, it might not be a lion. It might not be a bear. You know, not every battle, nine out of 10 probably, is not going to be a Goliath. Let's be real. But there's stuff that goes on in our lives. Sometimes it's a battle in your mind. Sometimes it's a battle in your thoughts, and you think, oh, am I worth it? Am I, am I accepted? Am I, you know, sometimes it's 
it's even hard to get up in the morning and get going. There might be something that's come against you. It might be pressure at work. or We're all going to face something. You know, It might be, even be a mosquito-sized battle that you've got to fight. Maybe the car wouldn't start on the way to church today. And you're like, oh, not today. Come on, I've got to get there. It's my friend's dedication. I want to be there. Not today. You know, we had uh, the other weekend, I, uh, I'm sure many people did, woke up one morning and half of our fence in our garden was gone. It had been blown away. Thank you, Eunice. It had been blown away. And so I'm like, okay, I've got to get up Saturday morning, fix the fence. Okay. It's not a lion. It's not a bear. It's a mosquito. Come on, let's get some perspective. But it's another thing to do. And, it, and, and as I was out there, it's half seven, half eight in the morning, whacking, making a load of noise. I'm sure the neighbors appreciated that. Fixing the fence up. My neighbor comes out to me. She's a lovely lady. She comes out to me and she's like, oh, you're fixing the fence, are you? Oh, that's nice. Um, I thought she was going to tell me to keep the noise down, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, and, and she said, oh, there's a couple of panels out on, on our side. Would you mind fixing those for us as well? And I was like, yeah, okay, why, why not? And she, and she said, oh, and, and while you're at it, and I was like, oh, here we go. What now? I love my neighbors, just so you know. She said, there's, there's some tiles that have blown off your roof. Did you see? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't see that. Let me, let me go and have a look. And everything in me, I was like, oh, not another thing to do. Not another. Sometimes we have those situations where they just, it's just not another thing. I don't want to fight that fight. I don't want to do that thing. But she, here's, here's what my neighbor said to me. She said, oh, you only had your roof done like, a year or so ago, you should get on to the people who did it because that's not on. That's not fair. They should come and they should sort that out for you because, you know, it should be like they should guarantee their work or something like that. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to fight my battle that way. I'm not going to complain. It, you know, isn't it the way of the world sometimes that people want to point the finger? When there's an opposition coming against you, the thing to do is to point a finger and to blame. So you should put that right for me. That's not fair. I want to point the finger and I want to blame. I want someone else to sort out my problems. But here, David, we can take a lesson from this. He goes down to the army. Not even his problem. He's not even in the army. He's just a shepherd boy there to deliver some cheese. Okay, if you read your Bible, that's what he's come down to do for his brothers. But he goes to the, to the king and it says in verse 32, we started with it. He says to the king, your servant will go and fight. He says, I'll go. I'm going to go. I'm going to take responsibility. You know, and I think for, for all of us, whatever you're facing, whether it's something small like tiles falling off your roof, instead of pointing the finger and saying, oh, someone should sort that out for me. That's not on. You know, we can take a leaf out of David's book and take responsibility because whatever you're facing, I guarantee you this, if we fight the way the world fights, it's not going to bring you victory. It's not going to bring you victory. If you resort to, to the blame game, it's classic, am I going to do it the world's way or am I going to do it God's way? You know, Saul tried to put the armor on David, say, do it, do it the way that we know. Do, do it with the programs of the last season. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to go where I know my strength comes from. I'm going to go back to the brook and I'm going to pick up five stones. You know what I love about this version of this Bible here is that there's loads of pictures I just, we love these pictures, don't we, kids? We love it. But to make room for the pictures, there's some pretty heavy editing 
gone on in this version of the Bible, okay? My other Bible's down there, and it's very different. But there's some details. As we were reading this, I was like, God, what do you want to say to me through this? Because if God's Word is living and active and relevant, then, you know, even this is going to speak to me. And so we're reading this at bedtime, and I'm like, ah, David went to a nearby stream, and he picked up five stones. It says it right there. And I'm reading that, and I'm like, huh, why is that detail in there? Why, is that, why has that been left in this text for us to read? So I went to my Bible, and sure enough, it says the same thing. He went to the brook, and he picked up five smooth stones. And I'm like, God, what do you want to show me through this picture? And we went down to the beach the other day. Maybe you've done this before. And we collected some, some stones. I said this to Amy. I said, Amy, we're going to the beach. I want you to find five stones five smooth stones. I want you to pick them up. They want to be ones that are going to be good to stick in a sling and take out a giant. And we're going to take them home because I think God wants to say something to us through these today. What's the significance of the five stones? I was reading this book about leadership and it was while I was prepping this and I was... was, I was reading this a few months ago, and this sentence in this book that I was reading stuck out at me. It said, human beings in community are like rocks in a riverbed. They're shaped by the flow of life in the communities that we're part of. We're like rocks in a riverbed, shaped by the flow of life, shaped by those around us, shaped by the flow. And I was like, this is so Good. I was like, God, show me what you want to show me through these stones. You see, if it's easy for us to identify as, as David in the story. Maybe it's even easy to identify with his brothers or those who are stuck in fear. Maybe it's easy to identify with his father, Jesse. But I was like, my kids do something really awesome. Especially Noah. He does this. I want to do it for you. We'll take a stone. I hope I do it justice. Can we get that on the camera? (laughs) He'll draw a face on the stone. And we've done this. You'll find these around the house. There's a stone. There's a face on it. Who's that? And I tell you what, my kids can tell exactly who that stone is. And, be, you know, that's that stone. There's some people sitting here today, you've been a stone in our house. <laughs> you have. <laughs> I think Ezra was in the first service. He's, he's been a stone in our house. Oh, that, that stone's Ezra. That's Ezra. Awesome. Maybe Pastor Jay's been a stone in our house. Now, I, but he can tell you who, who each stone is, right? I was like, what makes that stone special? What makes that a Pastor J stone? It's smooth on top, isn't it? <laughs> it's shiny. Uh, Pastor J's not actually been a stone in our house, but you've been a rock in our life. Seriously. Seriously. But I was like, if people are stones, if we are stones in community being shaped, let's identify with the stone in this story today. Let's identify with the stone. So if we're the stone, okay, go with me on this, then what is the river? 
What is the river? David went down to the brook and he chose five smooth stones. He chose them from the river. So what is the river? The river is easy. We know what the river is. The river talks about, it's a picture of something that sustains. You know, you think of Eden and you think of the river that ran through the center of the garden. It was the source of abundant life and provision. It's a place of gathering and celebration. It's an oasis and a place of prosperity. You know, cities are built around rivers because it's a source of life and abundance. The In the Bible, it talks about the never-ending flow of God's grace is like a river. It brings life and nourishment and healing. Rivers of living water is a a picture of the person of the Holy Spirit in John 7. And I think David knew it. This wasn't wasn't unfamiliar to David. He knew exactly where he needed to go. He needed to go back to the river. I mean, Psalm, Psalm 23, I didn't say this in the first service, but Psalm 23, if you know it, say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. See, David knew the source of his provision. It was in God's presence. You know, each of us were created to live in relationship, not just with those around us, but in relationship with God. That's how we were created. And it's the coming together of the rock in the river that shapes us and forms us. You know, there's something about these stones, and Amy will tell you this. You like to pick up the smooth ones, the pretty ones, the ones that are nice to touch. I want to ask you, if you're a rock that's being formed... Who wants to touch your life? Who wants to touch your life? Whose life do you want to touch? You see, the rocks in the river are smooth and tactile and beautiful, and you want to keep them around. The ones outside the river are still rough. They've not had the the harsh edges knocked off of them. They've not been shaped. You see, it's what community does and what that life-on-life interaction does as you're planted in a community of faith that thrives And it's the flow of God's presence that forms us into the beautiful stones that God wants us to be. Whose life are you touching? Who wants to touch your life today? You know, doesn't culture celebrate sometimes the fierce ones, the prickly ones? Can I go there? The rough ones. I'm independent. I don't need anybody. Um, you better watch it. You better not cross me. You better not cut me up. I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out and, I don't know, I'm going to roll my window down. Not that we roll our windows down anymore. You press the button. It's not, and I'm going to launch something at you. You know, the spirit of the world is the aggressor. You know, we only have to look on, on the news right now and see that the spirit of the world is the aggressor. But the spirit in the kingdom, the values of the kingdom is the peacemaker. It's the peacemaker. It's the smooth ones who have been shaped. You know, Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called children of God. You know, the sharper stone might have seemed like a more potent weapon for David to pick up. I want something that's going to hit and is going to be sharp and cause some damage. So why did he choose the smooth stone? You see, there's a difference between a bullet and shrapnel. There's a difference. See, a bullet is smooth. Shrapnel is sharp and rough. A bullet is shaped and formed for purpose and direction. 
but shrapnel is raw and unrefined. It's, it's, a bullet is predictable and dependable, effective. Shrapnel is chaotic. The rough ones are chaotic. So David chose the smooth stone. Why? It's proven. It's effective. He knew it would hit its mark when he sent it. And here's a challenge today. If we're like a rock in God's presence that is shaped in environment, shaped in community, shaped in his church, shaped by the flow of his presence, that's the river that shapes us. And then just like David, who was the anointed and coming king of Israel, who was anointed just before this point in the story, he chose a stone that had been shaped in that and prepared in that environment because he knew it would hit its mark when he sent it. He knew it would be on target. Then God can use you and me to be effective when we've been built in his house. When he sends us, we're going to be effective. Come on, get excited about this. When he sends us, you can be effective in this world. You can hit your mark. You can love people. You can serve people. You can preach the good news. You can bring hope to the hopeless. Don't we want to be like that? We want to heal the sick. You can pull down strongholds. You can take the head off every Goliath. You can bring the victory, not just for yourself, but for everyone around you. Because you've been shaped for purpose. I want to be like that. You see, it's the difference between being in community, in his presence, and in the world of independence. It's the difference between the kingdom and the world. It's his presence. David knew it. And for all of us sitting here today, I think, good on you. You're in the river. Like, do you realize? You're in the river. Right now, where you are, you're in the river. You're being shaped and formed in his presence. You know, in our church, that's why we put such a high value on small groups. Such a high value of connecting, such a high value of serving on a team. It's not because there's a spot to fill and a job to do. It's because it's there where you're shaped and God is going to use you and he's going to make you effective and your life is going to rub off on other people and their life is going to rub off on you and you're going to be formed and you're going to be made beautiful and you're going to be effective in his kingdom. It's as we serve, as we connect. So if you're not in a small group, hey, shameless plug, get in a small group today. There's people in the lounge that will help you. You know, you'll never convince me that being outside of church is God's best for your life. You'll never convince me of that. Like Pastor Jay said, I was raised in church. It's what we did. Always been part of a church-going family. And it was never, in, it was ne never a decision on a Sunday morning. It was never like, oh, how do I feel today? Yeah. I'll go to church. I won't go to church. What's the weather doing? Oh, it's raining. Oh, I'll stay in. I mean, come on. Seriously, seriously, we went to church every week. It's what we did. But I think, you know, even through COVID, people found their own church. They found the church of Sunday morning football, perhaps. Maybe they found the church of, oh, I just need some me time. I just, <laughs> I mean, I found the church of loungewear. <laughs> Can I go there? I mean, you guys are all good because you're here. Maybe this is for somebody online. I want to give you some courage if you're there online listening today. God wants you in his house. You've got to get back in the river. You've got to get back in the river. And there's no shame keeping you away. 
It's a welcome place to be. Maybe it's a church of Netflix. Oh. I didn't say this in the first service, but I, I'm, I met somebody that I grew up in church with not too long ago um, at Park Run. Great person. They're not in this church, but they're a great person. And, uh, and I, he said, oh, how, how are you going? How's, how's church? And I was like, yeah, church is good. Things are back. This was when things were still sort of in, out, you know, of, of, of being sort of social distance and all that. And he said to me, I, I said, oh, how's, how's church for you? He said, oh, you know, church, the church is back, but I don't know if I, I don't know if it's wise to gather again. And I was like, you realize, okay, this was the internal dialogue I was having. What was actually happening outside was just this blank expression. Like, I didn't, I didn't get, I don't get what you're saying to me right now. But on the inside, I was going, do you realize you're at Parkrun with 700 people? And you don't want to go to church on Sunday? I mean, I know you're in the open air, but come on. Get back to the river. You know, David, when things got tough and, and it, things got threatened and there was a giant coming along, we got a choice whether we freeze where we are or we run back to the river where we get our strength from. He runs back to the river. He picks up five stones. He, he went right back to where he knew what he knew to be true and tested. He'd taken out the lion. He'd taken out the bear already. And this Philistine was going to be no different. This, this outcome of this battle was going to be no different. As for me and my house, we're going to get in the river. We're going to get to church. There's nothing beats being in the river of what God is doing, soaked in his presence, in the flow of a faith-filled community. There's no compromise. There's no substitute. You know, wasn't it true that when people came back to church, this might be your story today, as you come back to church after lockdowns, and it was like the overwhelming narrative was, oh, I'm so glad to be back. This is what I missed. This is what I needed. Psalm 122, when I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. You know, because it's in those places, in the river, by the river, by the streams of living water, where our roots go down deep, where you flourish. Psalm 1, and this is another psalm of David. It's the same guy. He knew this to be true. The same guy who went to the brook and picked up the five stones. He says, those who delight in the law of the Lord and in his law meditate on it night and day. He should be like a tree planted in the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaves also do not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. It's because he planted by the river. It's the power of being in his presence. Are you flourishing today? Are you flourishing today? Maybe if you're not flourishing, it's because you've been out of the river a little too long. Maybe it's time to go back to where your source is. God's best is there. I promise you this. When you're in a small group, when you're in part of a faith community, when you're in, in the church, in his presence, in, in worship, it's in those places where you're refreshed, where you grow, where you're full, where you're shaped, and where God's best is for your life. We've been praying God's best life for families today. It's God's best is in his presence. And then I was thinking, okay, we read the book. We read the account. So David went to a nearby stream and he picked up five stones. And I'm like, God, what do you want to say to me through this? 
If you've been around church, there's different things that those five stones can be. But I was like, God, what do you want to show me about these five stones? He only needed one. He only needed one. I mean, was he not confident? Was he not backing himself that that one was going to be the one that would hit the target? He chose five. And so he chose five. Five smooth stones from the brook. And if we've got that one stone, where is it? That one that we drew the face on. That's the happy stone. That's the one that's going to hit its mark. Avim, you're, you're tall. Stand up for me. I'm going to be David. And David's going to send the stone. Because we know what happened at the end of the story. He sends the stone. I won't really throw it. Here you go. Catch. You can keep it. He threw the stone. It hit its mark. It was dependable and predictable. And then if he's a happy stone, he's just gone and done the job. How's this guy going to feel? How's that guy? What's going on in there? Little rock-shaped heads. <laughs> I'm thinking, what are these? What are these five? What are these four? Do God, what do you want to show us with these other four stones? You see, this guy could have felt left out. This guy could have felt upstaged. This guy could have felt like I've missed my opportunity. That person took all the glory. I didn't get my promotion. The job got finished. I'm not going to get used now. Maybe it went in the shepherd's bag. Got left behind. There's a whole other bit about that, about the shepherd's bag. But you can take that and go and look up what God wants to say to you. But he took five stones. And if those five stones are symbolic of us being shaped in community against each other, life on life, edge against edge, getting knocked, getting shaped, getting formed for purpose, then it puts the whole thing in a whole different angle. Because it's not about the stone that went and did the job and the four that didn't. The four that didn't were the ones that shaped the one that was sent. They're the ones that shaped it. And so actually... Every single person has a part in the victory. Every single person has a part in the effectiveness of the one that was sent. And for us, that's our lives on lives, how we're shaped and we're formed. That's your small group. That's your team. That's the people who pray with you when you send the WhatsApp and say, can you stand with me? That's what happens in our church and through hundreds of churches around the place. You see, the battle was the Lord's and the victory belonged to everybody. Read this. At the end of the story, this is after Goliath has been struck by the stone. He falls down. David rushes over, no hesitation, takes Goliath's sword and cuts his head off. I mean, like I said, Old Testament is grisly sometimes. That bit's not in the kids' Bible, just so you know. <laughs> Parents, it's all good. It's all good. Verse 
52. It says, Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. Everybody got up and shouted. When the victory was won, everybody got up and shouted. It went from a one-on-one battle, and in a single moment, it became everybody's victory. Every opposition chased out. They weren't just chased out from that valley. They were chased way back to where they came from. And I'm telling you, when you're shaped and you're formed or someone in your small group is sent, You're part of the ones who celebrate that victory with them. You're part of the ones who, you know, if someone has a breakthrough, the way for you to move into the breakthrough in that area of your life is so much easier because someone else has already paved the way. Someone else has already been sent. This is so, so crucial. They all got up. It was everybody's victory. Those five stones that were shaped in the brook. There's a shaping going on where God is forming us for for fit and function in his temple, in his house where we fit together. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. God wants to make you today. Will you allow yourself to be formed in his presence? I love the picture of those five stones because I love what they represent. And right now, we're going to respond. And just across this place, I just encourage you to close your eyes and just receive from God right now. Because there's something in this message for each and every one of us. You know, maybe for you today, you're the lonely one. You're the stone that felt left out. Maybe it's hard to make friends. Maybe you've been around church for a little bit and it's, you're just figuring out how to, how to connect I'm telling you, God's word says he sets the lonely in families. That's your church family. That's your small group. That's the part of the team that you're in. It's the flow of God's river. You know, maybe you feel a little bit like the rejected one. There's so much in the Bible about rocks and about stones and what they speak to us. And You know, it says the rock the builders have rejected. I know it's talking about Jesus. But the rock the builders rejected, you've made the chief cornerstone. Maybe you feel rejected today. I'm saying God wants to plant you in a family. He's not left you out. He's not sent somebody else because you can do the job. You can do the job. You're part of the victory. Maybe you're the fierce, independent one. Can I go there? And you've got some rough edges and God wants to shape you and form you and make you more beautiful than you could be on your own. It's in his presence where that happens. Maybe you feel like the stone that's blunt and soft and ineffective. He's shaping you to hit your mark when he sends you. He's shaping you to be fashioned in God's presence, to be effective in his kingdom, not a ragged weapon that man would select but dependable, a reliable stone that the coming king can count on. I think sometimes the most dangerous prayer is, here I am, God, send me. Will you allow yourself to be sent? If you want to be sent, it starts by being shaped. So let's pray. Father God, 
God, we want to be used by you. We want to be refreshed and formed and made beautiful in your presence. It's for purpose so that you can send us. Would you make us effective, Lord God, in sharing our faith and to bring in hope where people don't have hope? God, let us be like those stones that, you've, that you're building in your house. There's no substitute for being in your presence. God, come and do a work in our lives and shape us to be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And with every eye still closed around this place and heads bowed out of a respect for those around us, I want to ask you, have you been out of the river a little too long? Have you been out of the river a little too long? Maybe you feel like the stone that got left out of the river and couldn't find its own way back. Well, today you're in church. There's no better time to give your life to Jesus again. Maybe it's a coming back. Maybe it's a first-time decision to say, Jesus, I want you to fill my life. I want to know you as my Savior. I want to know the truth of your word. I want you to use me and form me to be effective in this world. Then I want to ask you to do something really bold with every eye closed. I want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Would you pray for me? I want to receive Jesus. I want to come back home to God's presence, if that's you. As bold as you can. One, I want you to raise your hand and indicate and we'll pray. Two, this is your moment. Three, raise it right up. If that's you, if you want to say, I want to come back, I see a hand over there. I see another hand there. Anybody else, I see a hand over there. People coming back to Jesus all across here to be shaped and formed into those beautiful stones that God can use. But more than that, to be a child back in his house, back in his presence, knowing who he is. Anybody else, last time, we want to give you an opportunity. Today is your moment. Don't let it go by. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, if you know that he's been calling out to you and you want to give your life to him, just raise your hand up real bold right now, right now, right now. We're going to pray. I see a hand over there. We're going to pray this together. I see your hand. We're going to pray this together, everybody together. Thank you, Jesus. for being my Lord. I give my life to you that you will use me to be effective in this world. Thank you, Jesus, for removing all my sin and all my shame. I give my life to you today. I am a Christian. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. Thank you, God, for being my saviour. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, God.